be alive. Uh, we actually have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. In fact, it amazes me every week that are watching online. They're watching right now. So I want you to give a nice welcome to all of our guests online. Today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about something that we really never, ever focus on. And yet it may be the, the subject we're really interested in, and it has to do, well, it's just one word, honor. Thank you very much. Would you say that word, honor? Say it like you're really excited about it, honor. Now, we, we can't really look in our culture and learn a lot about honor, but we can look at the model for us all, and that was Jesus. Wherever he went, every day, he was honoring people. Whether it was bending down and cleaning the feet, the dusty feet of his leaders one day, or dropping by a home with a mother and father who had a son who had unexpectedly passed away and he honored him by bringing him back to life. And yet when Jesus went back to his hometown, the place where he grew up, the Bible says after he gave his talk in the synagogue, they got upset with him. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verse 4 to 6, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. This is interesting. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus, who practiced honor, when he got back home, saw all his friends. The Bible says that he was without honor. The people who should have honored him honored him the least. It's interesting that these two words, without honor, simply mean adamos, which means to dishonor or to treat as common or ordinary. And maybe, maybe that's what we're seeing everywhere and maybe even in the homes in Orlando, Florida. You know, home life begins high. You get married, you're excited, you're in love, you actually know the color of your wife's eyes, you hold hands, your wife cooks you the special meal, you speak the language of love fluently, it's all over your face, you find yourself holding hands, sitting in the back, watching for the sunset. And it's, I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, it's heaven. 
on earth. And then like a tsunami, the kids come. We remind ourselves that children are a blessing. But in the middle of the blessing, somehow, two kids that were in love begin to treat each other as common and ordinary. And no longer is this uh, tremendous sense of honor. It's amazing how we can so quickly transition into dishonor, treating people common, the people that we're with every day, people we're around, ordinary, almost like, well, who are you? As compared to what the Bible says about honor. It's a Greek word, to may, and it simply means to value, to respect, to highly esteem or treat precious to ascribe worth or esteem. All of us have things that we value. And when it comes to those things, we treat them differently. Most of you know my dad was a pastor all of his life in Baltimore, Maryland. I grew up with a father that I believe was a great scholar, and he loved the things of God and kind of devoted a good part of his time pastoring, but also really getting in deeply to what God says. I can remember going to Philadelphia, Washington on a train and spend all day, and we go through old bookstores, and my dad would come out and say, look at this book. It's 100 years old. And so when I grew up, I had this great value for books because my dad valued books. And if you stepped into my study, there's thousands and thousands of books. And so when I pull out a book by Mrs. Catherine Booth, and it's called Godliness, and this was written in 1890. And so when I open this book, and it's getting worn. I'm very careful because I consider this book very valuable, and because of that, I treat it accordingly. Honor is not something we do naturally. It's something we learn. We learn how to ride a bike. You learn how to play tennis and how to serve, and what you and I have to do is to learn really how to honor each other a little more. And I appreciate your excitement this morning. (laughs) And the Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle Peter hits it, and he has this heavenly revelation And he writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And I hope you'll take a few notes this morning. And I hope you'll talk about this at the table this week. And I hope you'll take 15 minutes at your small group and really talk 
about how we can honor each other. This is what the apostle Peter says, verse seven. In the same way, and he had just been talking about Sarah, how Sarah honored her husband, Abraham. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Notice those words are plural. Doesn't say husband, honor your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker physically than you are, but she is your equal, say that word, equal, partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. You, you guys, you husbands, honor your wife. And one of the ways you honor them is by understanding them. And of course, women are easy to understand. <laughs> and so our, our assignment as husbands is extremely easy. We're called to honor and to understand them. To understand them means to understand them. And to treat them equally, not looking down. In this culture, of course, women had no rights. Like most women in the Middle East have no rights. Some nations, they can't drive. And so he's writing here in a culture where women were like nothing. And in a radical lifting, Jesus always lifts up women, I might add. So I'm going to say that again. Jesus always lifts up women and brings them up. And that's why he says, hey, husbands, this is an equal deal. You may be a spiritual leader, but this is an equal deal. No looking down. So how do we, you know, honor is freely given. Maybe what, out of this meeting this morning, you're here, and I'm sure we have one, are there any husbands here this morning? Would you raise your hand? Okay, your hand went up very quickly. What is one thing as a husband that you can do to maybe pick up your pace in honoring your wife? Maybe the biggest thing is to really be a spiritual leader and be a godly man. So you set the atmosphere in your house because you're godly. You're a husband that knows the Lord. And your wife knows that you know Jesus. You are spiritual. And I believe a husband and a father uh, is able to provide a spiritual protection over the family. A man 
who covers his house and threatens the enemy, don't you even think about coming here. I'm the leader spiritually of my house, and I protect my girl, my wife, and I may have other gifts and talents, but this is the big one. I honor her through my prayers and my, prote my protection for my wife. Some years ago, it kind of happened. I don't know what had happened, but I got up one morning, and I hadn't always done this, but I got up one morning, and of course, my wife loves the Lord early in the morning and also needs the support of holy coffee. And so I got up in the morning, and I found myself just kind of like getting a, I have yellow pads everywhere in the house, and one morning, I just wrote her a note, and I knew she would enjoy more if I put it right where the coffee was. And so, one morning, this is in May, good morning, my girl, Judith, my beautiful girl. I hope your night was heavenly. Thank you for your loving heart, your sweet spirit, and generous giving attitude. You give of yourself in every way to our children, I declare you're healed, loved your dinner last night, laugh more, Alexander. And here's another one. Good morning, Judith. This was June. I hope your sleep was restful. I was so proud of you with your prayer at the city council. The prayer was so warm and strong. Thank you for being an amazing person at our executive meeting. My girl, good morning. My once in a lifetime, once, girlfriend. You look be so beautiful yesterday. Your eyes are kind and loving. Thank you for yesterday. God bless you. Thank you for just being you. Thank you for taking care of me again. Saturday night was inspiring as you helped me. And, well, these things go on and on and on. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's the smallest thing. We're trying to, you don't have to bring flowers home every night. You just, like, do a small deal to your girl. And remember, remember, uh, love doesn't have to waver after you've been one year married. But you can fall in love again and... Often men don't have one romantic bone in their body. Two years after marriage, they lose their skill. Why don't you take her out to dinner, have candles on the table, look into her eyes, and tell her how beautiful she is, and she may come across that table anyway. Now, not only do we uh, think and talk about the guy, but, you know, the Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, and uh, let's have all the women read this because I know they'll be excited about this. So, all the women, single, married, want to be married, uh, engaged, here we go. So, verse 
33. So again, Wow, just do that again. I like that. Uh, say it a little louder like you are so pumped. So again. Wow. Wow, that, that, that is great. So we do the love and they show us honor. I want to talk for like two minutes to every wife in the building. And I want to ask you a question. And sometimes you can have the idea when my husband acts honorably, then I will honor him. And in doing so, you let him determine your behavior. I hate to give away control when it belongs to me. I decided a long time ago I wouldn't let my enemies, I wouldn't delegate them authority for my choices, that no matter what, I'm going to act right. So I know this probably doesn't exist, but let's say there's one man in the building who is not honorable. So what you do is you keep honoring him by your attentiveness, because honor is always lifting up people, and dishonoring and common is putting them down. So when you honor someone, even though they don't have an honoring bone in their being, somehow through your honor, it lifts them up, and it has tremendous change because you have decided not to do or respond only to what they do, you have decided to treasure the word of God in your heart. And this is not a book on marriage. This is the revelation from heaven. And this revelation from heaven says that if you are honoring them, you're going to lift them up and maybe they may even start loving you and maybe you'll win the great achievement of the happiest loving couple in Orlando and Channel 6 may call you and say, oh my goodness, these people win an award because you have decided to honor them and you are lifting them up. Hallelujah. 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 So, how do we learn honor? We look to the model, Jesus. He's our model, not our culture. How do we get a whole family honoring? Does it begin with the children? No way. Don't expect a child naturally to honor. But when you set the atmosphere in your family and you get back to the table that you have tabled things like you have tabled honor and now you have at the table of your home, you have dishonor, 
But when you decide to change the atmosphere, every home has an atmosphere. And when you walk into your house, and it may be 600 square feet, and it may be an apartment, and it may be you don't have a lot of money, and maybe your car is somewhat mature, but in your family and in your home, what you value most is not your car or your job. What you value more than anything that you have is not a book, it's not a bat, it's not a sport, it's not soccer, what you honor more than anything in your life. You value them. You value the lady that God has given to you, and you honor the children that God has given to you, and now you are going to set an atmosphere in the home. You're not going to ask them to do something you're not doing because they're going to see you honor, and when they see that, they may even change, and they may be a, begin to be a person of honor. Now for our students and kids, probably the most, maybe the favorite two verses in the whole Bible is Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. And you can bring this back to them. And they'll get excited at dinner table this week when you deal with these two verses. I mean, they'll go crazy. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well. You'll be blessed. And you will have a long life on the earth. Now, children, how many have had children? You still have them? Would you raise your hand? Still a lot of people here. And so it's interesting how important it is to honor our children, but also to train them to honor you. Darling, I know you want to go to the Olympics. I know you are an incredible runner. But clean your room. Hey, I, I know you're doing great in school. Would you do the dishes tonight? I know you love that new video game, and, and I know you love the smartphone I gave you, but clean your room. We don't want to condemn by the health department. Clean your room. Pick up your toys. I brought this morning... 14 wonderful things for your children to do. And I'm sure this wouldn't apply to any adults. But maybe you'll take a picture of this one screen coming up. And I want to just refer to these 14 things 
that are so spiritual. If you open it, darling, close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you wear it, hang it up. If you sleep on it, make it up. If you drop it, pick it up. If you, if you eat out of it, if you unlock it, and this is really spiritual. If you unlock it, if you break it, replace it. If you borrow it, return it. If you make a mess in the kitchen, clean it up. If you move it, put it back. If it howls, feed it. If it cries, love it. And if you don't know, ask. These are 14 blessings for all your children. None of it would apply probably to adults. Oh, okay. Well, if it does. So let's just begin right now to thank God that we implement these 14 things in our house and that we have revival. And then... Uh, I, I don't want to be really uh, profound this morning, but I want to reintroduce to the uh, English language or whatever language you uh, now speak, and that is to bring back uh, some words, and I know this is profound, but I just really thought about this, and I had this incredible revelation that it could be possible for your son or daughter to say thank you. In other words, every time they see something, you train them to say thank you. If someone somewhere does something to, for them, you then train them to say thank you by a note, by a call, by a text, thank you. And then you say it again until there's a common language in your house of thank you. Now, this is something years ago we did, and I think it could be brought back, and I was taught this myself, that we were to respect people that are older than we are, and to respect people, period. And so, and I know this is profound, but let's just think about it. I mean, actually saying, yes, sir, no, sir, Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Honey, could you do this? Yes, ma'am. I, I can't wait. Thank you for the opportunity doing the dishes. Thank you, mom. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And maybe we need to do that in all of our relationship to honor other people and bring back some of these things that are lost culturally until we are people of honor and we are treating people differently and that no matter what is happening, we're treating honor. And let me just say this. If you do not deal with some of these things like hard work, your son's wife at 23, 33, or 43 
would be trying to teach her husband what he should have learned back at the table. And listen, I, I hear a lot of this thing about, you know, divorces and we can't communicate. What if a major deal of all these divorces is you didn't learn to take out the trash and you didn't learn to cut the grass and you didn't learn to shovel the snow if you were up north and you didn't learn to work hard and now you have this entitlement. You think you deserve it. Well, you're not going to be entitled in my house. You're going to work. And I'm getting anointed just thinking about it. You're going to work. How many women are married to a lazy husband and his problem is not he's lazy. His father and mother not, never taught him, listen, you get out of the house, you take that trash out and you're going to work every single, every single summer and you're going to get a job and get out of here. You're not going to stay on your little phone here this summer because I'm not providing for you. Hallelujah. Training them, they're 40 years old. They haven't even learned. Never learned how to save money. Buying a new car and buying a new horse and buying a new sled and buying a new motor boat. Spending, and this may not even apply to anybody here, men they don't know how to save. My mom taught me to save when I was eight years old. Took me to the savings and loan and put a dollar in my account. And then the next month, another dollar in my account. And I sit there in my book and I'm saying, oh my goodness, one day I'll have a hundred dollars. <laughs> and I'm still that little boy. I still, I love to save. My car was created many years ago because I hate depreciating assets. You can drive your new car. I love to look at that savings account and say, praise God, hallelujah. And my wife loves to save money too. I'm confessing it right now in the name of Jesus. The anointing is falling on her right now. A spirit of saving is coming east here in the name of Jesus. No, actually, she is very good. She's not a spendthrift at all. Just kidding. Listen to me carefully. If you do not continue to train, and I might say this, in a family, training never ends. My wife honors me. She always tells me things I need to do. Most of the time, I don't like it. Then I think about it for a while, and she's always right, and I try to change and do better. And when you stop having training in your home, you stop growing. And then you start to dishonor people, and when you dishonor them, you don't honor the Lord. I don't believe you can have real honor in the house unless 
you honor the Lord. And I close with this one verse because this one verse says this, and it's in the book of Peter. Verse three, verse 15. But give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one. Treat him as the holy master of your lives. And if anyone asks about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain your faith. You know, as a husband myself, as a leader, I'm no different than you are. I need to honor the Lord. I begin early in the morning, and I'm going to make my way to my prayer chair. And I'm going to sit there. And I don't know what it is, but I, I just, when it comes to the Holy Bible, I'm like, oh my goodness, I love this book. David says, your word have I treasured in my heart. And I, I love to be with the Holy Spirit and, and just read. And I have my book I write in. And I start to pray for my family, my children. I pray for myself. My number one prayer, I might tell you, is I would have a greater passion for Jesus. That I would delight myself not only in saving, but I would delight myself in the Lord. I don't know, there's something when the Lord moves your heart. I love it when I never feel I have to or I should. I love it when I'm not doing it out of discipline. Discipline is great, and we need that. But discipline should lead to a heart change so that I want to have a passion for Jesus, the anointed one. I want to have a passion to love my wife, not because I should. I want to love my kids. And I believe that this great awakening that we dream of and we sense it coming in worship this morning can be accentuated in our family. Around the table at night where we are sitting and we are being a family. I went to see the movie Overcome. Phenomenal. Patricia. Shire, and it was so amazing. I found myself crying in the theater Friday night when I saw the family gather around and they were praying together. And I felt such the presence of Jesus in that movie. And we were so moved. Judy was crying, I was crying because Jesus was there in that family and in that home. I guess my dream for us 
is that you have a home that honors the Lord. Above all else, we honor Jesus. In just a moment, and our ushers are coming forward. forward. It felt like we should have Holy Communion this morning. They're taking their positions. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and the cup, the new covenant in my blood. This is, these are the words of Jesus. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And verse 26, read it with me. For whenever, verse 20, verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I never, I never preach before I take communion. I did that this morning. I almost never write a message. And I will get down in my office hoping no one comes in. I get down by my table there. I said, Jesus, I take the bread and the cup. Because what I'm doing is I'm remember Jesus, remembering Jesus and what he did for me. That I'm in a covenant with Jesus. And his blood was shed that I may be free. His body was broken that I could be healed his death made it possible for me to stand up here I don't have any shame in my life I don't have any condemnation in my life as I stand before you I've been forgiven and I can tell you we ought to celebrate because the enemy is always telling us, Christians, well, putting condemnation. And I believe when we take the Holy Communion, it's almost like we're saying, listen, this is what happened to me. I'm forgiven. I am healed. I am whole. Hallelujah. And I believe as we go to one of these stations and you take the cup and the bread, and would you stand and let me pray over this. Stand up, everyone. Just bow your heads for a moment. Our Father, I ask that you would give us a fresh revelation of Jesus, that our sins are forgiven, our guilt has gone, and we will not be sick. You said, by your stripes we are healed. And I pray as we huddle around the bread and the cup that you will heal bodies, inner healing. Let burdens be lifted. Let Christ work in us. And we do this in faith, believing that what you said is real and true. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
before you take your cup, you just hold it up or the bread and say the body of Jesus. Hold up that cup and say the blood of Jesus was shed for me. Don't let the enemy put guilt and condemnation and shame on you. Wipe him out by reminding him of what Christ has done. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate. This is not mourning. This is celebration. Come wherever you are and receive the Holy Communion. Hallelujah.
It's amazing, on Wednesday night, we gave an invitation for people to come and be forgiven of their sins. And even on a Wednesday night, people everywhere acknowledging just, I need to be forgiven of my sins. You know, no, no priest and no leader, no pastor can forgive sins. We can pray, but no one forgives sin. Only Jesus was sent from heaven. And Jesus came for you and me so that no matter what we've done, how far we've run, that Christ says, I'll forgive you. Sin always attaches chains. Chains are bondage. And the bondage is in the heart. And then it goes everywhere. And no one can break chains. But today, in this service, Jesus breaks chains. And all we have to do is ask and say, Jesus, I need forgiveness. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand and say, hey, listen, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have a new life. I want to really give my life to Jesus. Maybe you, at one time you knew him and now you've kind of like straight away come on back. His grace is amazing. His love unending. And his future for us is predictable. It's one blessing after another. So you're here in this nine o'clock service. You say, listen, Alex, I pray for me. I want to be forgiven. Doesn't matter what you've done. There are no degrees of sin. Sin is forgiven completely. One ask. If that's you today, you say, I want to be, a I want to be forgiven now. Throw up a hand right now. Put it up. Put it up right now. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Wherever you are, do it right now. I'm going to ask those, yes, over here. If you raised your hand or you didn't, walk this aisle, stand here. We're going to have a closing prayer for you. Backsliders, whoever you are, come and say yes to Christ and see what he will do. Anyone this morning? We'll wait just a moment. want us to kind of join hands right now and we're going to have a prayer for tonight and Pastor Mark's going to come back here and I want us to have a prayer and I've been praying for tonight that the Holy Spirit will change lives. All of us will be moved. How many are believing tonight for a great night? And I hope you're going to bring someone tonight that needs Jesus. Our Father, on this service morning at 9 o'clock in Orlando, Florida, we are agreeing together for a great move of your Spirit tonight at 6 o'clock. Anoint our worship team and our musicians. Let there be such a presence of heaven 
an awareness of the Holy Spirit that people who have given up on themselves will come face to face with grace from heaven. And we pray tonight that you will move mightily, that you will do great things tonight. And we say this in Jesus' name. Now let's clap our hands and thank him for what he's gonna do.